welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Gavin. Oh, ah, dang it. The Australian back. voice came back. Australia, so my <laughs> it, question, it, it took over. Yeah, it took so over. What was your planned voice? It, the, there was no plan, but it was to be deeper. Uh-huh. But not pirate or Australian, and it like it slid. I felt I felt my uh, I felt the jaw taking me over to Australia. Yeah, it's interesting. So maybe your masculine side is just Australian. It's like a Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde thing, right? Your uh, Mister Hyde is an Aussie. Uh, there you go, mate. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, you're such a baby. Ah, uh, uh, see, and that's what he says to your other side. <laughs> the, qu- the question Very is very good. Who will be victorious? Who will? Whoever knows more kung fu, that's who. That's that. There you go. So, anywho, how are you today, good sir? Uh, I'm doing quite well. How about yourself? Doing well. We're both a little busy with work today, so uh, but we're here. We're recording. We're getting it done for the fans, all the super fans we have out there. So many super fans. Super in many ways. So super many to ways. us. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're talking about a fun movie today, pretty topical uh, in the sense of some some big things that have happened in the last week, some predictions that I foretold about back last spring, and I'm excited to see come to fruition. So that was the genesis for today's uh, topic, our episode we're doing, which was your brilliant idea because uh, it was maybe two days ago and we're like, oh crap, we haven't decided what we're uh, recording about. Well, we, we, we had some great ideas bouncing back and forth in, in the text thread, but we were both like, we need a little more time, which is kind of why we're recording on a Thursday instead of a Wednesday and just kind of there's some really fun ideas coming up, but uh, then you're like, okay, straight to video. Just come up with something from straight to video. And I'm like, are we going into my we- the, these? This is my wheelhouse. Are we going this direction or that direction? Then all of a sudden it hit me like, hey, what are we talking about? We're, we should be talking about this film. Yeah, and it's funny because Gavin came up with a great top five. And then that made me think of a top five when I had been working on. We're both like, yeah, these are amazing ideas, but we need time to put together our top fives. Especially these two because they're uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna be f- super fun uh, and very interesting, but it's gonna take us you know a little bit of thought when making these lists. You know, we don't just want to rush into it. Uh, I and, think, and, and the trick the trick with us is just enough time because too much time then oh it all changes yeah and our, they'll be changing right until we record and then gavin's is very straightforward it's perfect we'll you know be able to pick our five mine is one of those ones where we're gonna have to come up with a hundred different caveat caveats excuse me in terms of the rules and stuff because it can be an interesting list for the martial arts genre but anywho Absolutely. we digress let's focus on today what's new with you good sir I've got to say, you know, the the just like you, the rain has stopped at least for a couple of days. It's uh, sun shiny outside. The we've lost some of. Uh, I won't say we've lost the coastline. The coastline's just gotten a little closer uh, where we are. But uh, that means uh, not a lot of dogs on the beach and a lot of, uh, you know, as as our audience got to hear last week, Otis's voice, a lot of uh, ball throwing with Mister Otis. And today we did such and he should be tired enough that he will not be barking during this episode excellent that's what we how like. about yourself anything new nothing new man just you know same old same old yeah it's nice to have a break from the rain for a couple of days yeah not not much uh, change here hopefully some big change coming soon working on some things working on some projects you know uh, always sharpening my tools uh, to be ready for that next endeavor or that next adventure of life. And officially it will take, I think whatever new endeavors take place will probably take place in the year of the rabbit, which starts what day of the year this year? Technically I want to say it's like the first weekend of February. I need to double look, uh, double check that because I'm trying to decide which Chinese new year celebration I go to. And it looks like I'll probably have to go to the San Francisco one because I Mm. now have something going on the weekend of the LA one. Boo. Uh, but yeah, anywho, let's let's get going. Uh, any interesting martial arts movie news or any martial arts news in general that caught your eye this past week? I feel like there was something that caught my eye between episodes, but it was so long ago. Mm. 
this extra day has has made my memory slip, but I think that you might have some news. Did you see anything? I feel like there was something going on. Did well, I, I, other than I guess I guess maybe the news for us is is related. It's you know yeah. So I mean the awards. Yeah. So pretty much the catalyst for this episode was the Golden Globes and everything everywhere all at once getting two huge wins. So Michelle Yeoh won for Best Actress in a Musical or Comedy, which in this case for the Golden Globes totally makes sense. You can look at everything everywhere all at once as a comedy for sure. It's a science fiction. It's so it's every genre melded into one. So but it definitely has a lot of comical elements in it. So I don't you know, sometimes with the Golden Globes, you'll see a nomination like in the musical or comedy one. And you're like, uh, how does that count as a comedy? You know, so uh, but it's definitely a legitimate entry for that. So she won mm-hmm. Best Actress. Mm-hmm. And as I predicted, well, I predicted for the Oscars, but this is a good showing. Uh, Jonathan Kihu Kwan won for Best Supporting Actor for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Now, in the Golden Globes, there's two categories for Best Actor and Best Actress. There's like drama and then comedy or musical. But for the supporting actor, there's only one nomination. So whoever wins that, it's usually a pretty good precursor to who will most likely win the Oscars. That being said, occasionally there's been huge upsets in the sense of like someone who wins the Golden Globe doesn't even get nominated for the yep. Oscar. Yep. You know, vice versa, like someone who didn't, you know, even get nominated for the Golden Globe gets nominated for the Oscar. So it'll be interesting to see. But either which way, it's a huge accomplishment for both of these actors. And I'm so happy. And anybody that hasn't seen uh, Kihu Kwan's acceptance speech, go and watch it because it's just so moving. I was almost it's, in tears. It's, just, did it's you absolutely, see it? It's absolutely, yes, it's absolutely touching. He's just loved, loved so, it. he's so sincere as a human being and that comes across on in all of his screen roles too. I mean, as, as limited as they've really been in a sense, he has just this huge amount of likability. Uh, like, for example, I'm sure he could play whatever he put his mind to, but I, I don't know if I could see him as a villain just because, you know, he is such a, a good person, right? He just oozes positivity and the like and the, lightness and he, what is right in the world. You, you know, it's really funny. I mean, and, and this this will probably come up when we discuss uh, discuss the film later. Uh, I don't think that there is a film that he's been in that I've seen. That I can't rewatch time and time again. And that is not just because of the project itself, but because of that humanistic, likable, great timing that he brings to each project. Yeah, uh, I 100% agree with you. And that's definitely going to come up today when we talk Uh about the film we're discussing. But before we do that, so that's our major news. I guess also on Martial Arts News Front, uh, Jake Paul the professional boxer slash YouTube celebrity has signed with the PFL, one of mm-hmm. the major up and coming MMA leagues here based stateside. And so that's huge news and rumor is there's going to be a big money fight between him and Nate Diaz. So that is very significant in the world of martial arts. Uh, otherwise, tomorrow evening or by the time this episode plays, it'll have been like three days before we get another one of our uh, one championship on prime events. And it is a stacked kickboxing card i am super excited for this one and is there is there a particular fight you have your eye on and and since just, uh just people will be listening all, all of them and there's an interesting mixed rules fight the the one thing that's hard for me is i a lot of times i'll and this happens with me at work too i think i have a i'll get a training video like on my calendar or a training meeting and i think it, it'll say like wednesday and i think it's this wednesday so i sit down my computer i'm already go i'm like oh it's in three Wednesdays. My bad. And so for a lot of the cards on one championship, you know, we know a lot of the fights in advance now, whether they happen or not. Sometimes people get injured. So I mix them up. Sometimes I think there's a certain fight on a card. And and this happens to me with the UFC, too. I get ahead of myself. So uh, I do know that there's just a lot of good kickboxing fights on there. So that's what I'm excited about uh, okay. because that's my preferred sport is watching kickboxing Muay Thai. I love MMA, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a kickboxer at heart. Muay Thai. I love to watch, or you know, K one rules glory. I love the glory events, so that's my preferred uh, fight uh, style fights to watch. But yeah, so that will be happening tomorrow. Uh, and otherwise, let's go ahead and go into movie quotes. Do you have movie quotes for me today? 
I do have a movie quote a for movie you today. Quote. Let's a do movie it. screen television quote for you today. Okay. The only thing more stupid than not knowing how to fight is not knowing when to fight. Wow. Right? It's a good one. It is a good one. It's very Miyagi-esque, but it's not Miyagi. It is Miyagi-esque. It is is from a particular series that Mm. does produce some great quotes. And it is from one of the more powerful episodes of said series. I mean, there's only a select number of martial arts television series. I mean, so I could easily guess it if I just threw out some random ones. Uh, Say it again. Say it again for me. Let me try to channel this. The only thing more stupid than not knowing how to fight is knowing when to fight. Not knowing when to fight. (laughs) I was like, wait a minute, that quote doesn't make any sense. Uh, Man, uh, the only thing more stupid than not knowing how to fight is not knowing when to fight. It comes in a flashback. Uh, Walker? Walker. Okay, yeah. Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah. I I can't tell what episode. uh, What? what, it's it's Uncle Ray talking to young Walker. Oh, that's that and makes Walker's a lot of sense. relaying a story to Haley Joe Osmond in Lucas Part One. Oh wow, good episode. That's the one that became a very famous clip online where Walker says, "I have AIDS." So it was one of Haley Joe Osmond's early roles. Uh, it's actually a powerful two parter, and it deals with some super heavy subject matter, which people forget Walker did. Like it it tackles the subject matter of the AIDS epidemic. Very seriously and addresses a taboo subject that you wouldn't expect Walker, Texas Ranger to try and tackle. That being said, the Uncle Ray character. So this is our lead protagonist, Cordell Walker, his Native American uncle, Cherokee uncle, uh, Ray Firewalker is very much a. Miyagi-esque type character in the sense of, but through Native American spirituality. And for the first season of Walker, he was an actual featured player slash character. And then after that, he kind of, he was played by a couple different actors and popped up here and there and in flashbacks, obviously as a younger actor, but that's a great quote. I love it. I know. I, I do too. It's a really great quote. I yeah. mean, if, if you think about it, 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 it is true. I mean, particularly the second part, I mean, whether it's physical fighting or, uh, you know, just just picking arguments and just knowing when to fight and well, not and it, knowing when to fight. And it comes down to that idea of, you know, like karate is for defense only. Right. Or in theory, martial arts should be for defense only. But then you have to decide there comes a time and place where you need to use it. Right. You need to. There may be even a time and place where you have to use it offensively in a sense. But it's all about coming to that proper judgment because we should never be aiming to use the martial arts to hurt people. But at the same time, there's a reason there is the martial arts, right? There's sometimes you just got to sweep the leg. You got to sweep the leg, Johnny. No, no, but you're, you're, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, uh, when you, we learn these tools, there's a responsibility that comes with these tools. Um, and uncle Ray, you know, hit the nail on the head. He hit the nail on the head. So great quote, uh, great start to this episode. So today let's, Announce what we're talking about, which, of course, everybody already knows from the postings on social media slash uh, your podcast provider, which if you haven't already subscribed, downloaded and shared with your friends, please do. And please remember to download and please remember to like. Please remember to share. We really appreciate it. Anywho, today we are talking about the 1991 or possibly 1990 or possibly 1992 uh, (laughs) American made martial arts film, but with a total Hong Kong flair to it. Mm -hmm. The Lou Kennedy slash Brandon Pender slash Brandon DeWild directed Breathing Fire produced by the legendary and co-written by the legendary Flashlight's Tan, a.k.a. Tan Tao Leong, a.k.a. Delon Tanners, a.k.a. 20-something other names. There's also a ton of pseudonames associated with this film. So who knows who really directed it or wrote it? But it stars a fantastic cast in terms of straight-to-video film from this era. But our main star is Ki-Hu Kwan. 
Jonathan Kihu Kwan, famous for obviously everything, everywhere, all at once more, most recently, but one of the most famous child stars and actors of all time. He's on most people's list as like one of the top 10 due to mm-hmm. two key roles. Uh, one being data in the Goonies and his most classic one short round in Indiana Jones and the temple of doom. But mm-hmm. aside from being an amazing actor, uh, director, writer, producer, everything else, he's also an incredible martial artist. So he is the star of our film. We have a supporting cast that features one of my all time kickboxing heroes, two time world champion, Jerry, the golden boy, Trimble, and what would be his first role or tied for first because he was shooting this film simultaneously with The Master, directed by Choi uh-huh. Hart. It also co-stars the legendary Bolo Young. And, and can I just say, is there ever a film that Bolo Young is in that does not have that great first moment reveal for him? I mean, he has some of the greatest like reveal moments in in, every, in film history, like cumulative, hands down, has to be him. Oh, yeah. I mean, it has to do with his screen presence. He just has an aura about him and he can just enter. Well, that's why he's so marketable, right? He's put in and this time he switched over to doing some, uh, I shouldn't say a lot, but a handful of straight to video films in America because they knew just having him associated with it. Bam sellable, bankable, et cetera, et cetera. And the film co-stars some other actors. We have uh, Eddie Saavedra as uh, Kihu Kwan's brother and Jerry Trimble's other son. We've got uh, stuntman martial artist Ed Neal as their Mm -hmm. uncle David Moore. Uh, TJ Storm makes his first film appearance, a well-known actor, martial artist, motion capture a uh, performer, very talented guy. I've, uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting once or twice. Super nice, super fun. And a handful of other people. But once again, it's hard to get a lot of accurate information on this film. The reason I was jokingly talking about the release dates is because, for example, on IMDb, it says 91. But on Wikipedia, it says I think it was released in America in 92, technically. And then at the end of the credits, because I was trying to watch the credits to figure out who the fight choreographer was, because there is no listed fight choreographer, it says copyright 1990. So it may have taken a couple years for it to get released. That's not uncommon with these kind of films. But yeah, this is a favorite amongst ours, specifically Gavin and myself. And I'm not going to say shamefully enough. I'm going to say proudly enough. We've watched this movie together. How many times do you think? At, together in the in the few years we've known each other, at least once per year that we've known each other. That's a very accurate way of putting it, because every time I come down to visit Gavin, we usually have that <laughs> random spread out over a whole weekend or a couple day trip. We'll have like maybe a couple hours of downtime split up 30 minutes at a time. And for some reason, every time breathing fire gets put on it's almost it, like it we've watched it on prime because it's been on there for years and then it's like oh look oh breathing fire is on tubi now we should oh, watch it might be it. different let's hit play yeah and sure enough the last time i was down we watched breathing fire and we actually end up watching it and finishing it each time it is a kung fu comfort film to the max it is by no means a it is extremely entertaining, and I love this movie, but it is by no means a well-made film. It has The plot has more holes than a piece of Swiss cheese, that's for sure. sure. Uh, <laughs> it has continuity errors to the max. It's got absurdity at the highest level. It has very, very questionable acting, because a lot of the key players were not actors first, which makes Ki-Hu Kwan's role even more out of place in a sense because he is such a good actor and even when he has the terrible dialogue given to him in some scenes he still delivers he's he's like too good for this movie it's like this is one of those where just just like uh when you see sasha mitchell for the first time in in kickboxer you're like wait this guy's uh on TV, you know, on a regular basis, what's he doing here? And this, you know, this is a, 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 an actor who's been in some of the most iconic roles is in this film. Like what's he doing here? But you know what? I'm, I'm just going to really enjoy this ride. And it's funny because as you bring up all the shortcomings, I mean, I've never seen a really clean print of this. I don't know if I want to see a restored print because I don't know what else would be revealed. Like (laughs) how many more air mattresses would be there. But I will say that it is, 
it's almost safe to say that this is a top 10 straight to video film of all time. It, I might it, be going out on a limb there, but I don't think I'm too far out there. And, and it depends on what your definition is. If it's for the overall ambiance of a straight to video, kind of like Grindhouse Theater, there's certain. Uh, oh! Otis Doing a timestamp? Doing a timestamp? This time I'll remember is 20 minutes. Let's okay, see times- if we cut away. So sorry about that. Anyway, we're back. And uh, it depends on how you define a straight to video, because if you're looking at the same way like Grindhouse Cinema, there's certain technical aspects you're expecting to be less than stellar. There's certain uh, aspects of the overall like mise-en-scene and all that that you would think would be very uh, familiar to you in like, okay, it's not like a a piece of Steven Spielberg cinema, right? This is a straight to video. So in that case, I could definitely see it being a top 10 uh, film in the straight to video category. Like now, if you're looking for like your top 10, like films straight to video that should have been released in theaters and could have been award winning. No, it would not be on that category. You you can't put this on the same uh, caliber as blood moon, blood on the moon. Blood Moon? Uh, no, Blood but Moon you, was technically a lot better than this. Right. So they're, they're different. Like, it, like this is, again, where, where AJ and I can go down these like, these different caveats of, like, what, how are, we, how are we defining something? But when it comes to, like, honor and glory, kind of, like, somewhat campy, but yet also amazing fights. Yeah. Yeah. This, and it's, this it's definitely those notes. And the interesting part is, though, campiness, yes, but even honor and glory technically was better made. And I feel like this film, this film (laughs) just, there was certain things done extremely well. So for example, the fight scenes in this are fantastic, very Hong Kong style, which is why I wish I would have known who the choreographer was. But then there's a lot of things that are almost, it almost feels like a student film at points. So technically it's still doing it right, but not great. Or there's little things like a boom mic visible or a crash mat visible when it should be. That, that, that was called a, a mat, a, a mattress, a bed mattress oh, yeah, spray green to look like uh, grass. Yeah. That's uh there's a few moments like that. So yeah, I'd, but, I'd love to talk to somebody that was actually associated with this film behind the scenes. And maybe maybe so, we could talk to a, a Golden Globe winner. Oh, I wish. I wish. Man, I don't know if I'd be able to. I'd just probably give him a hug if I ran into him. I just want to hug him and like I be know. like, thank you for everything, man. But uh, yeah, so we have a true love for this film. It's not like somebody that would review it and be like, oh, it's so bad. It's good. No, it's just... Uh, and we can talk. I'm not sure if you remember the first time you saw this film, but I do. And I still have my original copy of it. So for me, I read about this film. I had known about it. I expected it, I think, to be kind of like an American martial arts movie from that period when I had only read about it. And so I, I wasn't necessarily hunting it down. But it would have been around the year 2001, probably, that I found this in the bargain bin. So this is when, once again, DVDs were now the main thing and they had already been around for a few years. So now there was like bargain bins and this was at the flying J truck stop off Jack tone road in Ripon, California. And we're going in there uh, into the truck stop. Maybe we were going to the flying J buffet. I don't remember, but I would always go into the store part and, you know, look in the barrel and see what DVDs were there. And sure enough, I found it just a standalone DVD. It wasn't part of a compilation pack. It was just breathing fire. I was like, oh, snap, breathing fire. I've been wanting to see this because as Jerry Trimble, of course, Bolo Young is always on the marketing, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm like, it's got uh, Jonathan Kihu Kwan. Yeah, I've got to check this out. So I take it home. I watch it. And I'm blown away by how good the fight scenes are. I did not expect them to be Hong Kong style, even though I knew the talents of, well, the three main stars that are marketed, Bolo, Jerry Trimble. Uh, and honestly, I didn't really know Ki Hu Kwan's martial arts abilities because you had only really seen it in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And that's he first started learning on the set of that film with Philip Tan, an incredible martial artist, actor, director, second unit director, uh, who I've had the privilege privilege of meeting a wonderful man himself. But I, I didn't realize that after that, he continued to learn martial arts with Kung Fu superstar Tan Tao Liang, one of the greatest kickers of all time. His nickname is Flash Legs. He was uh, famous for his ability to hop and kick on one leg. As I say, he does the Bill Superfoot Wallace better than Superfoot Wallace, plus can do every other kick in the book. And so he trained with him at his 
Taekwondo school in Monterey Park. And so you watch this film and you're like, oh, my God, he's not just an amazing actor. He is an incredible martial artist. Like he looks like a Taekwondo champion. He's up there. He holds his own against Jerry Trimble. So that was my first time watching. I remember bringing it to all my friends and making them watch it because I used to make them always watch the movies that I brought over. And they all enjoyed it because the action was so cool and fun. But also there was a lot of the cheesy hokey moments that they all just couldn't stop laughing at, like the, you know, the fight scene where they first try to steal Annie or kidnap Annie at the yeah. the house. And then tank grabs the grass and just throws it up in the air for no reason. <laughs> know, like it's this weird cut edit. When you watch the movie, you'll get what I'm talking about. And my friends couldn't, I mean, myself included, we just could not stop laughing at that. It's like grass attack. Hi-ya! Well, it, and then it's like this jump cut. It's like, it's like they're trying to recreate the, the sand attack between Richard Norton and Yasuaki Kurata, right? Where yeah, they're fighting. exactly. You know, instead it's like, he just grabs grass and it's like, it hardly makes it past the, the video or the, not the video frame, the, the camera frame. Right. Now, I mean, do you do you remember the first time you watched this? Yes. So there was a video store in Long Beach on Belmont Shore. I was actually just looking it up. Uh, there is an article about the video store store and written in the LA Times in 1989, but it doesn't drop the name because back then they weren't light out to give free publicity to small businesses, right. but it would interview the people on their thoughts on movies. They would rent out movies. If you rented four videotapes, you could get a fifth one for free. So Folks, my college days were so crazy. Friday, I would play soccer. Oh, yeah. I'd come home. On my way home, stop by Ralph's, get us, get me a tombstone pizza. Oh, yeah. With pepperoni on top. Stop by uh, the video store, rent four to five, rent four videos, get five for free, right? And I would plop them in. If I fell asleep, wake up Saturday morning. Rewind where I thought I left off, finish the frozen, finish the frozen pizza, which, you know, had been cooked, but it was now cold. Right. And, uh, what, but that's where I first, uh, rented a uh, breathing fire. Man, and I how remember did you, seeing that. How did you survive college? You were crazy. Oh, dog. it was crazy. It was crazy. Dude, that sounds like the life though. That sounds like a weekend. Yeah, now I know. I'd be down for. <laughs> I Heck know. Yeah. For me, it, it was the life. It, yeah. And I have to say, sometimes the life is still pretty much the same and for all the, all the right reasons. But I got to say that, uh, yeah, the, I saw a lot of films. There are a few James Spader films that I saw that really stood out that I remember. A lot of films blend together, but Breathing Fire stood out. I was like, what in the world am I watching? This is like, looks like it was shot on videotape and then record, then copied over to another videotape. But fantastic fight scenes, crazy acting, the whole plot of like having. Well, let's, let's I, real quick, let's go over the yeah. plot. So technically, it came, this film came to fruition because I'd imagine that. Tantaliong, I mean, he was a producer, he was a co-writer, he probably got funding for it in one way or another. He was probably involved with the fight scenes, even though they weren't really his style of fight scenes because he was more of the old school kung fu era, but you know, he was heavily involved. And this film is a loose remake of one of his films, Shaolin Deadly Kicks, aka Flashlegs, which was actually directed by Wu Ma of all people. Ooh. And it's it's a it starts off with a similar story pretty much uh, in that film a gang of thieves, they, you know, they rob a bank and they hide it. And I, if I'm not mistaken, they all have a piece of it. It, it could be the key uh, or a map to open or to find the treasure and or open it. I can't remember a hundred percent because I haven't seen that in about mm, almost ten years now. But so this film, the basic premise is uh, we have Jerry Trimble, who plays uh, is it, uh, no is he David Moore or Michael Moore. Uh, hold, hold on. on. No, he David, is Michael Moore. So, Michael Moore, yeah. And he's got two kids. He's got his son, Tony Moore, played by Eddie Saavedra. Uh, and then his adopted son, uh, Charlie Moore, played by uh, Kihu Kwan. And he seems like your all-American dad. He's giving them, like, great advice on the car ride on the way to their karate tournament. They, you know, they have this mansion. They're in a rich-ass car. do 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 But little did you know that Michael Moore is actually the head of a dangerous, deadly group of thieves who pull off a bank heist at the beginning of the movie. The group of thieves decide that they will hide the gold bars they've stolen until it's safe to get them back. So... They all have one piece of the key to open up the safe, but the key is made out of a fake plastic pizza. That's right. We get to see at the beginning of the movie, Mr. Michael Moore making the fake plastic pizza key. And yes, it doesn't make any sense. Why would a and full the, piece the keys of pizza are so huge? Yeah, they're ginormous. So each one of the gang is given a piece of the pizza, but then 
their inside man has a change of heart and decides he wants nothing to do with it. Well, they can't leave any witnesses. Of course, it's always the dweeb that has the the, the change of heart. Exactly. So they kill him and his wife, but his daughter escapes with the piece of pizza. And she's sent to his (laughs) old- It sounds like you just said pizza, pizza. (laughs) Oh, pizza, pizza. She's sent to his old Vietnam buddy- David Moore, who's also the brother of Jerry Trimble's Michael Small Moore. Small world. Small world. And David Moore is a kung fu master, and he protects her. He brings him to his brother Michael, or he brings her to his brother Michael, not knowing that Michael's the mastermind. And slowly, this crazy convoluted plot starts to unravel as they need to get that last piece of the pizza key from Annie in order to open up the gold. But they cannot be found out. So inadvertently charlie and tony the sons end up befriending annie and protecting her from the gang the gang they don't know is run by their father even though they should know very early on but once again lots of plot holes lots of inconsistencies i took so many notes while watching this i'm not even sure if i'll go back to them just because what's the point it's like you know it's it's so absurd some of the dialogue it's so absurd once again how characters don't see stuff coming like wait how did you not realize your dad was the mastermind of this whole thing and also just the inconsistency in character development once again jerry trimble's this loving father to his sons and there's like scenes where they're trying to make it look like you know pretty much like he's a good parent like boys i've talked to you about this before no grades (laughs) no car yet in the next scene he's savagely murdering a dude and his wife and then Spoiler alert, at the end, you know, attempts to murder his own adopted son with his bare hands. And by the way, great adoption agency that he got it from. Oh, yeah. He kills his mom in Vietnam and then is forced to adopt the kid. You you killed the mom? You're responsible for the kid. Like, I, I don't think that that's how it worked. I don't think you then took the kids back to the barracks and then once you were, you know, sent home. You got to bring the kid with you. Right. But and once again, what a lot of the inconsistency here, inconsistencies here are technically, aside from Kihu Kwan, and I, I, nobody else in the principal cast is actually an actor first. They were all martial artists, which is great for our fight scenes. Very good. But for our I fight think scenes. even Jerry Trimble would probably say, because this was once again, he went his first two auditions in Hollywood, and I've heard him joke about it on interviews. He got cast in his first two big roles, this one and Choi Hark's The Master. He was shooting them almost simultaneously. He'd go back and forth. <laughs> and so he had no acting experience yet. I think he had maybe maybe just started to take acting classes. So once and, again, not his strongest performance. You do see how much screen charisma he has, though, even in this, even if he wasn't quite up there yet in acting ability. And obviously, yeah, they, Bolo is a great performer, but also he's doing all his dialogue in English, and it is kind of hard to understand him at some points. But everyone else is either a martial artist or it's like their first movie. So TJ Storm does a good job, too. He's a good performer, yeah. and he does a good job as well. But really, him and Kihu Kwan are the only strong actors in this film. Well, there, there are some guys, uh, the, the people who work at that one, Alan's Restaurant. Oh, my God. Oh, my well, God. And so that's another thing. We, we, can't, have a whole, we can't ignore that scene. We can't ignore that scene. Let's just talk about it. So pretty much in their attempt to investigate the gang, you know, one of the members, Alan, they track him down to his bar, which is entirely run and managed by little people. And there is a fight scene with the little people. And it's not little people versus little people. It's Charlie and Tony. To grown ass teenage young men fighting little people, and and, and bear in mind they'd already f- fought against Bolo Young and Tank and some other super large opponents as well. So it it it, it did feel a little bit like Hong Kong humor getting thrown in here. I mean, but those were those are recognizable. The the gentlemen, the actors are all recognizable. I believe one uh, had a. Ex- extensive career actually yeah and i'm trying to think of uh oh what's his name i would have to look him up but yeah the the one like the the manager of the bar i've seen him in other films and obviously you know unfortunately there's not a ton of roles for little people but then in films where there are a lot of little people we're going to have kind of repeat faces and so forth so 
they're actually probably three of the best actors in the movie too. Yeah, they yeah. do so a great you, job. You, they're actually kind of humorous. They're working on. Yeah, they, it was great. They're working on, and they were saying, "Looks like you know the little the little people, the little actors where characters were saying, looks like we've got a little problem here.' You know, in reference to the kids, and you know, so it it actually is a somewhat well written scene, almost to the point where you think, is this improvised a little bit? Yeah. So correction, there's you know like five strong actors in this film. Yes. Uh, but it is definitely an absurd scene. So, yeah, the plot is all over the place. It's, you know, it doesn't make any sense how they're not able to find who. The pizza key, it's absurd. But really what this film is, it's a setup for a bunch of great action for mm. a training montage. Very Kung Fu movie-esque in that sense. It's like, hey, our stars already have abilities. They're already really good. But then they face defeat or an absolute obstacle they can't overcome and only through true gong fu or hard training can they get their skills to that next level in order to defeat the bad guys so pretty much uh tony uh, and charlie are both very skilled martial artists it's never really quite said but it looks obviously like taekwondo the tournament they're fighting at the beginning of the movie in the end is kind of at that mm-hmm. time what would have been uh olympic style taekwondo rules very hard hitting it was a much different sport than it is uh nowadays and they do quite well, but then they, you know, face adversity and then they have to, from their uncle, David Moore, learn his secret style of Kung Fu. And Ed Neal, the actor who plays him, I've, there's now more information about him online than there was when I first saw this film. And I tried to, you know, there was nothing in my books and I early days of IMDb, there's nothing. I found out some more information. He studied under a well-known uh, Kempo instructor, uh, uh, one of Ed Parker's original Kempo instructors, who then went on to learn Chinese martial arts, uh, specifically like Tai Chi and what I believe would be Wushu. And he was actually apparently Robin Shu's teacher too, which makes sense why Robin Shu studied Kempo, but then was uh, competing in Wushu competitions. So he's a very good martial artist and he does what looks like kind of a, at that time, modern Wushu form, like performance-based Chinese martial arts. And he would later have an extensive career being a stuntman and actor on the Power Rangers series. But he is obviously not the uh, strongest actor in the world. In fact, and I'm sorry if you're listening to this, Mr. Neil, but the performance in this film is, it's lacking a little bit. You're not working with the best script, but come on. I mean, if we look look at his uh, filmography... um Breathing Fire is his first film. His second film is Deathmatch. Okay. And then, and then, to the, but there's a three year gap between release dates. You know, you never know when these things are filmed. But then after that, he does, uh, he does have a, a long run in the Power Ranger realm and right. the Masked Rider realm. So he, he has an extensive career that seems to go the whole way up into the 2000s. Um, but yes, but man, his martial arts looks really good. Even his forms practicing reminiscent a little bit of John Miller from uh, oh, yeah. Honor and Glory. But and a little more, a little more Wushu-esque. So whereas yes, John definitely. Miller's is a traditional Southern style. That's what it was interesting when watching him. It's kind of that blend of what looks like a traditional Southern style, but it's like, it would be what's called uh, Nanquan in Wushu. So Southern fist, like a Southern fist form, because he has a lot of the poses and strikes of like a hard Southern style, like Hungar, but he's still doing some of the acrobatics and jump kicks and so forth. So obviously it's not a true Southern fist style, like say Hungar, Wing Chun, Southern Praying Mantis, but it would be in terms of Wushu, a Nan Chuan uh, uh, form. So uh, Nan is South, so South fist form in Wushu. That's what it looks like to me. Some great pole work and his overall fighting style is very, he uses a lot of Tai Chi type elements, which is, so he gets injured and can no longer protect Annie, so he has to teach the boys his secret style. And as I joke, at first, it's just like, oh, he's teaching them Taekwondo. But then they start learning some Kung Fu stuff. But they're doing straight up like Taekwondo one steps, which I used to do as a kid. And some of the exact same ones I used to do, like the set curriculum. And yeah, so at the end, there's a big finale. It's finally all revealed. Ki-Hu Kwan's forced to fight his own dad. <laughs> dad, what are you doing? Don't call me dad, boy. So, <laughs> I know, some of the, it's, the it's great so... dialogue. Yeah. It's he, uh, it, well. It, some of the dialogue, it's uh, it's really rough, but it's also so mean. It's so mean. That's what I'm saying. His character is so inconsistent. It's like he is psychotic. He's literally fighting his son to the death. Don't call me dad, boy. But with that crazy cheesy dialogue, you still have Kihu Kwan giving a really heartfelt performance, like you know, tears and like 
you can I, see the emotion. But then we have this incredible fight scene with it's filmed. So so it's funny. You said it looked like it was shot on video. The movie it, it does the whole time, except for in the fight scenes. The fight scenes look very cinematic, like they're shot on film. And there's great use of slow motion and even some of the sound effects. They use like what I like to call the Indiana Jones style for really hard hits, and it yes. comes off great. It just adds power. No, it, it's the so listen. We're we're having. The way we're describing the film, you know, you, you might, if you don't listen to the emotion and like how excited we are when we talk about this film, you might think, ah, oh, this might not be for me. This might just be for like a, a night two, you so bad it's good kind of film. These fight scenes it, are so good. They're, and like even, even the fight scene between Ed O'Neill and Jerry Trimble in the I think club. It's just when, Ed Neal. Ed Neal, sorry, not, not Ed O'Neill. That's Ed wrong Neal. actor. Ed Neal and Jerry Trimble in the club where Jerry Trimble's character, you know, uh, makes it so that there's strobe lights going so you can't really see who it is. And, you know, it, it's, it makes it harder for us to see everything. But even that fight sequence is so good. Yeah. It's just, it's, it has a lot of pop, great, great camera, uh, uh, great cinematography, great uh, sound editing, as you point out. Editing, it doesn't, it allows us to see what's going on, but also has that quick, like, cut when needed, just like a Hong Kong film. Well, and the thing is, because everyone's such a high quality martial artist, technically, when you look at this cast, the only one with true experience within the Hong Kong industry really would be Bolo. And this is Jerry Trimble's, like, first movie he's done. And look how good he is. I mean, yeah, he's one of the greatest kickers ever in kickboxing, but he's a two time world champion. But that there's a big difference when transitioning from the ring to the screen. And he does it yeah. flawlessly. Same thing, obviously, Kihu Kwan had done a, a little bit, but he, once again, is just, he, it's like they know filmmaking already. They know where to be and how to kick. The same thing with the rest of the supporting cast. Uh, I mean, whether it's Eddie Saavedra or Ed Neal, they they look like veterans in terms of screen fighting. They all do a really good job. Uh, the actor that plays Alan, Alan Tackett, he's really good too. Very strong yes, looking, is. and the uh, every and it could have just been from years of martial arts performances, but they pull off the Hong Kong style choreography, which first of all is not easy as it is, and many others have failed. It, it takes, you have to be a very talented martial artist, and I'm going to say a very talented performer slash actor, even if you maybe aren't uh, as good in the thespian sense, right? You have to be able to portray the physicality of the fight scenes, which everyone does very well. And once again, you look at this cast of martial arts actors. You have Bola, who at that point had like 20 years of martial arts experience uh, in front of the camera. You've got uh, Jerry Trimble, two-time world kickboxing champion. You have uh, Ed Neal, obviously, an experienced martial artist and what appears to be competitor. The, the Allen actor, who's obviously very good. And Kihu Kwan looks just as good as any of them. It just goes to show how high level he was in Taekwondo. And later on, he actually became an assistant fight choreographer for Corey Yuen in the mm-hmm. early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. Which, and which films did he work on? He for, worked on X-Men, I know for sure, and I believe The One. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very nice. And That's I, some really great work. I would love to talk to Kihu Kwan because I'm fascinated on how he is quadlingual. Because he speaks four languages fluently. He speaks English, Cantonese, Vietnamese, and Mandarin all fluently. I mean, we've seen Mandarin in everything, everywhere, all at once. And I have my predictions. So I'm going to tell a real quick funny story. So I was in San Francisco. This is about maybe eight years ago. I was still living in China at the time. I was home visiting. And my taxi driver, I thought he was Chinese. And so I happened to speak to him a little bit in Chinese. I think I asked him, I was like, oh, are you Chinese? Do you speak? Or I think I said, do you speak Chinese? And we started speaking in Mandarin. He said, yeah. He's like, but I'm not Chinese. He said, I'm Vietnamese. And I was like, oh, really? And then we switched to English. And so his story was growing up, he grew up speaking English, excuse me, Vietnamese and Cantonese. Like, and where he was in Vietnam, everyone did. It was just because, you know, so close to the border with China. It was Southern China, Cantonese. It's just, you just did. You grew up speaking both languages, whether you were ethnic Chinese or not, or ethnic Cantonese, you just did. So I'd imagine Kihu Kwan was maybe similar because I believe he didn't leave Vietnam until uh, he was like eight years old, till the late seventies is when he left in 78, if I, if I read correctly, but so, yeah, so. That's what he grew up uh, speaking. And then like a lot of Vietnamese, he, you know, fled uh, the country, you know, obviously after the Vietnam War was ended, a lot of people, you know, a lot of Vietnamese had to flee. And so uh, this particular gentleman I met, the taxi driver, he fled to Taiwan 
And he was there for about five years. And I, for him, I think he said it was like when he was in middle school through high school. So then he learned to speak Mandarin, you know, at that age where you can still absorb everything like a sponge plus four or five years. Of course you can learn. So then he eventually immigrated to France and he lived in France for 20 years and learned to speak wow. French. Then he immigrated to America. So that, and that was like 10 years before I met him. So therefore he was fluent in English. So that was this guy's story. So with Kihu Kwan, I, I would love to figure out mostly I'm, I'm kind of like, did he grow up speaking Mandarin? Or was it Cantonese? Or did he learn to speak Mandarin when he started? Because he's worked on a lot of Taiwanese projects over the years. In the 80s, he was on a TV series in uh, Taiwan after the Goonies. And so did he learn to speak it then? He also worked on uh, the, Thai, uh, the Taiwanese movie, I think, uh, Red Pirate or whatever, the, the action movie in the 90s. And he did a couple other TV series there. So maybe that's where he learned Mandarin. And But I don't know. I'd love to know how he speaks uh, Cantonese and Mandarin fluently. Did he learn them both growing up in Vietnam? Was it just from his work experience in Taiwan? And, or maybe he learned Mandarin, maybe he spoke Mandarin and Vietnamese growing up and then learned Cantonese later because he worked in Hong Kong cinema too. I don't know. I would love to figure it out. And I just went off on a tangent and I apologize. It's okay. The The idea is, we, it sounds like we need to to try and find a way to, to get a guest on this show, a very special guest. Yeah, that would that would be amazing because he's just so talented. And I'm always fascinated by people. I, I love languages. And I think anybody that's bilingual is impressive to me. You know, it's it, I'm I'm just always so fascinated by people's stories and like how they learn to speak languages fluently. And it's just always so impressive to me because it's so difficult to learn to speak another language. And I would love to take more time to become better. But uh Unfortunately, we got to start wrapping things up. Uh, we we started late today. But as far as this film goes, you get some incredible fight sequences. You get group fight sequences. You get one-on-one fight sequences. You've got amazing performers. Yes, there's cheesy, hokey dialogue. Yes, there is continuity errors. Yes, there is so much that's going to maybe make you laugh. But go into this picture with an open mind because as far as action goes, you've got some hard hitting Hong Kong style fight choreography hidden within a little straight to video gem from the early nineties that stars mostly no names aside from a couple of big names. And you would be doing yourself an injustice if you didn't at least give it a chance. Uh, Absolutely. It's some, it's definitely chance worthy. And you know, if you do give it that chance, and you have the level of enjoyment that AJ and I do for this genre, you're going to be watching it multiple times with friends, sometimes for laughs, with uh, as background for comfort film, and sometimes just for great performances, great fights. I mean, listen, I own it on DVD, and I watched it on Tubi last yeah. night. I, I, and I loaned the DVD out, actually, just before the Golden Globes to one of our listeners, Marvin. Oh. I say that in a, I'm testing him. Yeah, Testing let's you, see, dog. Marvin. Are you listening? Are you listening? If not, Did you watch send, it yet? We're going to send you and Wall after you. Yeah, that's right. You and Wall's coming after you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and the thing is, if you are a fan of Kihu Kwan, you'll enjoy it because once again, he just has such charisma on screen. And he's, you know, when he smiles, he just lights up the whole room in a sense. And it, the, the other reason I got to say before I forget that I love this film is for me, it's a time capsule of my like elementary school days. So I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a child of the eighties born in the, like that weird mid late eighties era. So I like born in the eighties, partially raised there, but mostly the nineties. Right. So when this film came out, so it was released in America in 92, that's like when I was in kindergarten. So this mm-hmm. is what all the cool older kids would have looked like to me. My older cousins <laughs> yes. would have been the same age as the two brothers here. Yep. Okay. Uh, you know, that, that that was like the, the kids I looked up to, their style, the the crazy billabong shorts and the, the oversized T-shirts and the neon colors and the way their rooms are. Like you see the boys rooms and all the posters and everything. And the, it just always takes me back to my youth and my childhood because these were like the kids I wanted to be. I was like, wow, they're so cool. But it, it's definitely a time capsule for that era in terms of, you know, obviously the outfits, the style, some of the music that's featured. And we we should mention that Paul Herzog does some of the music, the same gentleman that did Bloodsport and Kickboxer. So you'll mm-hmm. hear some similar styles throughout. It, it's, it's definitely a fun film. And it's, uh, you know, it's great to see. We know, I mean, almost everybody should know what uh, Kihu Kwan 
the films he worked on in the 80s. It's great to see what he's doing now, and we want to see what he's going to do from this point on. But it's also nice to have that little timestamp of what he did in the 90s. Okay, and if you're going to like rain on this film, don't, because he. it's just like we've talked about other straight-to-video films, like Undefeatable. <clears throat> it's a fun film, but you know Don Nimes, Sifu Don's presence in that film makes that film uh, makes that film uh, a cult classic, right? Yeah. It, it takes it to this next level. That's what that's what Kihu Kwan does in this film. It really takes what is otherwise possibly a very choppy, well, not possibly a very choppy film. That without his presence, there isn't this centering, and and because he's in it, we are able to go back and rewatch this gem of a film because of his presence, and he's always so sincere. Always, just it's like. The heartbreaking scenes in this film, uh, you feel the heartbreak. Yeah. And, and it's just because of him. Yeah. And he's the martial arts star we needed in the 90s because of yes. how good not only his martial arts was, but his timing and rhythm. He has that Hong Kong style rhythm when Everything. you see him move. Could you imagine if we got some movies from him throughout the 90s? But you know what? We didn't, but maybe now we will. Man, oh, man. Imagine him playing like the Sifu or the Shifu or the master role in a film. Count Hell me in. to the yeah, I would Count love. Or, or like a Taken type movie, except for he's like a Kung Fu dad. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, he also doesn't have to do action. He, I'll watch this guy act in whatever. So I don't want to see him be pigeonholed. But selfishly, I would love to see him do more martial arts stuff. Well, we, it, it just, we would... We would take one more this decade. Yeah. One more, one more martial art film this decade and, and everything else uh, we'll still watch. Agreed. All right. I hate to cut us off, my man, but no, uh, no we, worries. Yeah. We both got uh, places to be and things to do. So this has been fun. This has been great. And I hope you guys all enjoy. Once again, you can find this film on Amazon Prime, on Tubi, probably on YouTube as well. Uh, try to watch it through legal means like we always encourage. Once again, please remember to subscribe, download and share the podcast. Uh, get the word out there. Things are going wonderful, and we love bringing you content every week. So thank you once again for the support. Anyways, my friend, I will see you later. Take care. Adios.